Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I'm Jay Warmke. And I'm Annie Warmke. You are Annie Warmke. That is correct. And today we're going to talk about the right to repair or it's broke and there ain't no fixing it. How's that? Yeah. yeah the well, the system was, is broke. And there yeah, that's no the problem. It. Well, I was just thinking about my my grandpa that I knew who could repair anything and make anything. He would think that's hysterical. But my other grandfather was born in 1865, and I was thinking how stupid he would think it is that the, it's illegal to repair something or you buy soil. Who buys soil? Okay, well, let's let's back up a little bit, avoiding your grandparents for a moment. And uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I've heard this discussion before about the right to repair, but it seems so counterintuitive to me. I, I can't imagine we don't already, we don't have the right to like fix stuff. Is, is there somebody walking in and saying, don't do that? Don't repair that thing? Right. Well, so... So those of us who are interested in repairing things, there's a, a, a group called Right to Repair, and it's a movement, a legislative, uh, also wave as they call it, and and a great idea that says that people who buy durable products like mobile phones, tractors, dishwashers, et cetera, should be allowed to get them fixed by someone other than the manufacturer of the equipment. They call that OEM. And so the problem then- So they're basically saying that it's okay to repair things as long as I'm the one who's doing it? No, no, they don't want you to do it either. And that's what- No, no, I don't mean I. I mean the manufacturer being I. Oh, the manufacturer can provide that at a cost. Right. uh, Usually quite a cost. So just let me give a little background here. So repair shops- uh, particularly, this is, I don't have data from the US because we apparently don't collect that. But in the UK, in the United Kingdom, they have a 90% success rate in mending easier items like toasters and small kitchen appliances. Yeah, just stick a fork in it, you know, when it's plugged well, in. Well, that's right? what you did, <laughs> yes. But also, they can repair laptops only about 60% of the time they can fix them. Mm-hmm. And, um, they, they report that um, fixing a digital radio that's worth $100 costs about $0.10 cents for the part. Yeah. So, so there's the rub right there because manufacturers want to have control over all of what you are buying. And they want that control because when something's, well, they build it so it does break because then you have to buy another one. And they also build it so, in, in some cases, they're building it like tractors. So you have to engage them not just to repair it, but you don't even have the code to get into the computer because right. they don't want you to have access to their trade secrets. So this is more than just, you know, the warranty might be null and void if somebody absolutely else opens that's an old-fashioned. And... That's right. So, mm-hmm. so Baz, uh, there's this group called Baz Share and Repair in um, England that has repaired 3,000 items in five years, and 60% of them were electrical or electronic, like electric kettles and radios and lamps. Uh And they also lend out household items, and they run workshops on how to maintain and repair your own equipment. And this is- Wouldn't that be novel? Well, it's illegal. (laughs) It's illegal in the United States, in several states. To repair your own stuff? Yes. Yes. How, how would they enforce such a thing? 
Well, I think they can figure it out if it's computerized because <laughs> everything is you. tracked <laughs> and they can track, they're going to track your data and they're going to know when you're using it, how you're using it, how long you're using it, it how much fuel you're using. So counterintuitive. I mean, one of the things that I've, you know, this frustrating to, I think a lot of us is, is oftentimes you get this thing, it's fine. You want to fix it. And you take it in and somebody says, well, it'll cost you $200 to repair a $50. You know, if you buy it new, it's $50. All right. But repair. what's the true cost? And that's the question yeah. I have to come back to. But let me just drill down just a little bit further in that there, even though maybe we don't have very many repair shops in the U.S., although lately I've been seeing some that say we repair electrical appliances and things like mm -hmm. that. But there are lots and lots and lots of YouTube videos that show you how to repair. There are things called pop-up repair cafes and blogs. And then, of course, the old tradition of reusing items um, that is like make do and mend kind of uh, philosophy. So this, is, this is sort of countering the planned obsolescence kind of situation that we found ourselves right. in where they were making things, designing them to break, then you have to replace them. Yes, you know. within six months. But here's the thing in the UK anyway, there's a company called Curry. It's like the curry, the... the um, Chicken curry? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and they have fixed 860,000 laptops in a year. Mm -hmm. uh, TVs and phones as well are in that 860,000. And they forecast a 10% rise this year as their customers' budgets come under pressure. There's one of the driving forces. And also people are demanding refurbished electrical goods because they don't want to have to go buy, keep buying things, first of all, because maybe money's tight. But secondly, they're beginning to realize that thing, it's, there's not an endless amount of resources to keep producing these well, items. Well, if you repair it, I mean, that's reuse, repair. You know, it's, it's a lot better than, Repurpose. than mm -hmm. recycling something. You know, they'd say, right. oh, well, this laptop case could be recycled. No, it's better if you just... Right. It, well, you're not using, using any any energy mm -hmm. in recycling. You're going to upscale or downscale it somehow in the process, and it's going to use a lot more energy. But here's the challenges. So one of the biggest hurdles in the mending movement is the fact that modern technology is design isn't designed to be fixed, as you just pointed right, out. Right. And so uh, there's a leading online repair resource called iFixit that gives reviews on re repairable, how, how repairable a gadget is. And that's really valuable if you're going to buy something. So sure. it be, I think it then becomes kind of a rating because if I know I can have it repaired or I can repair it myself, I might even be willing to pay a little bit more money for it because for me anyway, once I get used to using something uh, electronic, I don't really want to switch to another one because I don't want to learn sure. how to use that one. Well, and it, it's so annoying. Even something like um, I found with my phone, I couldn't like open it to access the battery. You right. know, it used to be, oh, the right. battery stopped working. Well, let's put a new battery in it. Now it's like, I can't, well, can't well do Apple it. does that with their AirPods. You can't open it and replace the battery. You just have to throw it away. Well, that's annoying. Well, it's worse than annoying. It's a terrible, it's, it's a terrible. It's bad for the planet. It's bad for so, your mental health. Yes. Yes. So, so the, the thing is though, that it all comes down to greed. Yeah. It, it really does come down to greed because 
these companies, these major manufacturers have um, found themselves to facing legal obligations to allow, for example, with tractors. So tractors today cost be more than $500,000 a piece. You mean the big farm? Yeah, tractors. the big farm tractors for the industrial farms. And uh, well, I think even regular tractors now have computers in them and mm -hmm. that's all con that controls everything about that machine. And so if you, if the computer malfunctions, you know, of course you can shut it off and turn it back on. Maybe that works, but most of the time it's not going to. So they don't have the code. <laughs> reboot to, your tractor. That's right. Reboot your tractor. <laughs> but, but you don't have the code. You don't have the password to get into the computer sure. because they don't want you, you know, messing with it because they say they risk losing control over their product. So you might create uh, figure out their secrets. Well, people figure out secrets all the time. I mean, they can hack in. Lots of people can hack into most anything. Mm -hmm. As so, long as they're less than like 12. The other problem is if you need that piece of equipment because you earn money from it or it's an emergency kind of piece of equipment, you have to wait on the manufacturer's repair person to show up and that an initial show up for, I believe it was John Deere, was $950 for the guy to flip the switch on the computer. Yes, absolutely. And they waited four days in the middle of harvesting season and they were then pushed back. This farmer was pushed back in the line to have his grain dried and he had a huge loss from his crop because mm -hmm. he didn't have the ability to flip the switch. Well, is this something that's is is just a function of things becoming digitalized and and computerized or is this a um a conscious effort by the manufacturers to kind of try and augment their their bottom line it is really just what you just said so mm -hmm. the the people it's not just about software it's about everything because for example cars cars. <laughs> Take your hands off the table there. <laughs> I'm German. I have to use my yeah. hands. Um, like with cars, I mean, this was announced probably six or seven years ago and widely reported that they were going to not, you know, you could go to a dealership and buy a car and it's not really going to, you know, uh, navigate a different price, negotiate a different price because it's, they're just going to raise the price of parts. And if you have a warranty, you have to have it fixed with them sure. or repaired or serviced with them. And they're just going to drive up their profit by charging for parts. And they don't want you to repair it because... Well, that's one of the sort of the pushbacks with electric vehicles is because they are, there are many, many fewer parts, many fewer moving parts, mm -hmm. much less required routine maintenance. And so the dealers have been kind of trying to push back against the adoption of electric vehicles because their their real profit margin is in the parts and repair, yeah, um, not necessarily in the initial sale. That's of, right. Of the product, but but the thing that's weird is they have this whole argument. These big companies have this whole argument, like Apple and Google and Microsoft, Tesla, John Deere. Um, and they're saying they're really trying to protect the consumer's privacy and safety <laughs> by providing 
um, by not providing sensitive security information and equipment to just anyone who wants it, including the owner. So basically, you don't really own this. You're yeah. you're borrowing it, and you are paying for the right to that borrow it. That sounds a little bit like the vice principal in your high school saying, "I'm I'm going to give you some paddling because it's for your own good." You know, it's like I heard that before. <laughs> Not right, I didn't get right. paddled, but I heard uh -huh. that before. So so in in 2020, the Democrat Democratic National Convention adopted the right to repair for agriculture. Um, because they said that the Federal Trade Commission reported a lack of evidence provided by the manufacturers in support of their repair monopolies. And so, and, and Biden signed an executive order in June of that year in support of that right to repair. But John Deere then went to court and they tried to win against the, the farm, you know, Farm Bureau, a lot, lots of uh, companies came, uh, lots of small uh, farmers and companies came in, in under this um, th th this fight, and what ended up happening was they lost. Um, but they said they should have the right to re uh, to hold on to the repair part of this because uh, there could be unsafe operation of their products. Um, they could the farmer could mess up the machine capabilities and performance. Uh, they could create illegal changes to emission controls. When did that matter to them? Uh, it would void warranties and that that would create a lack of transparencies to changes on resale and a less than optimal customer experience. Yeah, well, hopefully the judge said, you guys are, are full of baloney. Yeah, well, basically they did. Good. And okay, so, well, let me, but I want to say there right, wasn't right, really right, a right. finding. I remember reading in the Guardian. They left it sort of vague. No, no, no. So uh, they they came out and they said uh, John Deere said this is only John Deere. Nobody else came out uh, and made an agreement with the Farm Bureau that they would go along with the right to repair unless the Farm Bureau came out and supported some other legislation that they didn't like. And the minute they supported that, this would be null and void. Okay. All right. Well, let me <laughs> inform you. You are listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Markey. Reminding you it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. I guess okay. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll repair it, right? I know. We have the right to repair the world. Right. Yes, yes. Okay, so we're talking about um, weirdness in, <laughs> in the world of, of things where apparently there is, there is an effort on the part of a number of manufacturers to prohibit uh, their items from being repaired. Um, and, and so there has to be this counter movement to say basically, listen, I bought it. I want to fix it. And, and I don't want to send it to you. That's that's kind of the the gist of the whole thing, right? I want to be able to yes. go to a third yes. party and and um, you know or have fix them it fix myself it. or yeah. fix it myself. Uh -huh. So so the um, Association of Equipment Manufacturers (AEM) uh, in coordination with Equipment Dealers Association, um, and this is around 
cars and vehicles and things, um, they came forward with a right to repair policy in 2021 and nothing happened. But the problem with it was that the policy just really didn't help the farmer or the car owner in any way because they said, oh, we're going to um, uh, give them 95% control over the product. And it's like, that's not the right to repair. So in 2011, Congress tried passing a right to repair law for car owners and independent servicers. Has this really just been around vehicles? I mean, that's the well, ones no, you're because the, the people, well, that's the information that's out there. There isn't much about Apple or Google or whatever. I think they're kind of hiding in the bushes right now. And so I do know there's a lot of complaining about, you know, phone repair and you do see phone repair shops and other electrical devices, electronic devices right. being repaired, but it's not a broadly done thing. And a lot of times like with phones, um, there's a lock, a special lock. So in order to repair it, you have to go back to the original manufacturer or whatever's on the phone and you can't access Well, I know that. with, with my phone, it was acting up you know, being, being annoying. And, and I took it in, um, we'll name, let's just call this company Verizon for the sake of it. <laughs> right. And, and I, I took it in there and, and I said, this thing is, um, acting up. Can, is there something you can do? Can you reboot it? Can you fix it? Whatever. And the guy like looked at me and goes, Oh, this is a really old phone. You just need to get a new one. Hmm. I was like, it's only three years old. And he goes, yeah, that's really old. And I was like, really, you're selling things at an exorbitant price with the understanding that they will be absolutely worthless in like two years. I mean, that just strikes me as, yeah, I know. I'm but sitting in my rocking was... chair saying, get off my lawn. Right? Well, no, but but it's a, it, it, the idea, though, hasn't just been about phones for two years. That's kind of a long time. A lot of things have been six months and they yeah. they even they don't even deny it. But it's just it, it's it it's one of those things where you just sort of have to go. You know what? This is the world has just gotten so insane where, you know, now you're spending a thousand dollars for a phone and in two years, you're supposed to spend another thousand dollars for a phone. I pay by the month. Well, you don't really. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> you anyway, know. I'm not. I'm being facetious. <laughs> and it's on sale, so you're really that's saving right. Money, As my right? my grandpa would say, it's always on sale. <laughs> anyway, so I want to say that the real issue here is, in, in terms of the manufacturers, are is digitization. You know what that means? Well, yeah, you're just computerizing things. Yeah. So so what they're saying is, you know, these like these tractors can drive in the field without a driver because mm -hmm. and they actually hook these huge million dollar ones up to each other and just drag them along um, or te or charging um, the charging station locator for Tesla or the driverless car that Tesla is trying to march out. And they're saying we can't give up. But well, we can't Control. trust you. You're not competent. That's either. right. You're just. Uh... Well, and they might actually be right. You know, I mean, if you've made this thing so comp complicated, for instance, driverless vehicles, if if I've set up a system for driverless vehicles, I don't want my Uncle Fred going in there and trying to tweak it. You know, that that could be, you know, a life and safety issue. So certainly there are situations where the government usually mandates to say, 
this can only be serviced by a certified technician, but it shouldn't be that it can only be serviced by John Deere. You know, now you've created this, this kind of monopoly of that kind of situation. And it shouldn't be the manufacturer who says that right. is the but only But they don't want anybody else to know their trade secrets. That's one of their arguments. Now, not in this country, but in the European Union, um, manufacturers of phones, tablets, and laptops are now facing legal obligations to make those products easier to repair and reuse so they can lengthen the life of the project, uh, the product. Um, and so they don't end up with all that waste in, sure. in the landfill. So that that's one thing. And, and if they don't do it, then they face some kind of legal um, ramification, but you just wonder who's, who's the laptop police. Who's well, monitoring that? I mean, you know, when we lived in France, I mean, shoot, they came and checked your garbage to see if you were sending any recyclables, you know, in, in the wrong container. So some of these countries are, are a little bit better at enforcing rules. Um, as the British would say, the nanny state is, is yes, out there, yes. um, you know, focused on, on, on your business. Well, one of the things that's also reported is that the big boys, Apple, Google, Microsoft, and Tesla Inc., um, have spent heavily on lobbyists to make a case that right-to-repair laws would expose their industry secrets and give third parties access to sensitive information and put the safety and security of consumers at risk. Now, I would like to know how. I want to put my safety and security in the hands of Facebook. You do. <laughs> That's, do they have the same concern when they collect data about you? And uh, well, that's one customers? of the arguments there that why they keep you know facing this settle having to settle. Well, I, I guess I could see that. I there would be a big business if somebody could say, you know what bring your laptop into me and I'll turn off all of these monitoring devices and I'll, I'll ensure your privacy. But they you know? can already do that. You know, when they, when they say, well, sign me up, they say they're going <laughs> to download the newest, whatever, what they're really doing is looking at what you're doing. And if you don't let them, so they send you a little note. Who is, who is they? Oh, like Apple or or Dell or any of those companies that sell laptops that collect data, and they'll say, "Hey, we want to download this new thing to update right, right, updates." Right, right. They call it, but what yeah. they're really doing, and it's so obvious, <laughs> is, is they're doing what you theory? just did. No, <laughs> they're looking at your right. data. They're well, looking at what programs you're using, how you're using them, when you're using them. Well, they so, do that on a real time basis. But one of the criticisms that I hear a lot with um, with Windows, for example, is you can go in and set the privacy settings and it's not so easy to do, but you can do it and say, I don't want you to do this. But then every time they update the software, they, they reset yes, it back right. to, yes. to their default position. And then you've got to remember to go back in and do it. Well, you know, that's annoying and it's, you know, semi-subversive, but the idea that they want to prevent you from from fixing a thing seems like it's it's a, a step too far. You know, it just feels. But they prevent you from using some programs, like like they'll say, 
don't use Firefox for this because it won't work, but it, no. but Bing is the only one that works and, yeah. or you have to use this particular program for Microsoft or you can't access this information. They're already doing it. They're just a lot more subtle about it. Okay. Well, yeah, but now you've wandered off into the whole world of high tech annoyances as opposed to the right to repair. I'm going to focus you back into there. Well, but the right to repair, <laughs> it's the same kind of thing though, when they're saying there are argument against the right to repair is that we're taking away their right to um, control the data and the information. Right, to do what they want to do unfettered from That's anybody right. else looking over their And shelf. you're paying them for the right to have it, but you're doing the same thing when you shop at, a at Amazon, when you shop at Walmart. It's right. all the same okay. stuff. All right, but let's, let's, let's not broaden it out into, into that. Let's, again, focus on, so what is, the, what is the response? Where are we going with the whole right to repair thing? Is there serious legislation or are the politicians playing? Yeah, they're a just playing game? along because the lobbying, you know, the, these corporations control the government. So what's going to be the situation where folks, you know, because the government, they're all, all politicians seem to be where are the people going so I can leave I'll tell them you where there. the people are going. Yeah. So we right now living in an environment that's pretending that everything's cool and it mm -hmm. is cool for some people. Right. but it's not cool for a lot of people. And so people are starting to get the idea that I've got to reuse, I've got to repurpose. If I need something, my toaster broke, I'm going to put something out there to my buddies and say, you got a toaster because lots of people do that they never use. And then they're going to give me my toaster and I'll have a new toaster and I won't have to buy another one. But you mentioned too about some groups that are coming together that say, okay, we're going to go ahead and repair these things. We now right. have the knowledge let's do like a repair co-op kind of Well, situation. I think that's happening in California. You know, they always lead the way for all the, all the uh, revolution. And, um, and <laughs> At so- At least they like to think- No, no, do. I think they're- they I tend think there's to be, three people in Iowa that are really leading the way and they're getting their- Well, cues. they don't get credit. So tough, <laughs> right. tough tooties. Uh -huh. But, but so, so I do think that as the economy drills down more and more and more, then I think that it drives the economy in people's lives to say, I, I, maybe I don't really need this thing. Mm -hmm. It broke and I can't get it fixed. So they're going to make decisions. Um, and probably some of those decisions probably aren't that fair to their families, but other decisions, you know, like they might say, well, I'm going to still have my, you know, Netflix, blah, 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 uh, on my special Bluetooth television. And then the Bluetooth television breaks. So they go buy another one. But for the most part, people are not in a financial position to be doing that in this economy now. And more and more, I think we're going to see people really drilling down and saying, I, I'm going to do without it, or I'm going to make do with something else, or I'm going to fix it myself. I'm going to throw it and run over it, <laughs> you know, whatever that so is. So the economics are going to drive I absolutely believe it. It's, it's already It's one happening. thing if you've got a hundred dollar television and it breaks, well, then you go buy another hundred dollar well, television. Well, if you have a hundred But if it's a $2,000 phone and, you know, the day after the warranty expires, you're not allowed to fix it and it doesn't work anymore. Well, then people are going to hopefully you know, have some common sense and say, no, this isn't, this isn't acceptable. I don't, I don't think it's about common sense. I think it's really about, do we make the house payment or the rent payment 
or do we make the buy, be able to buy our prescriptions or do we get to eat an example would be the studies are showing that people um uh, people are not changing what they eat. They're just buying it in cheaper places. Okie dokie. Well, you've been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. Uh, you can find uh, the video of this particular program and any show notes at uh, bluerockstation.com. We want to thank our never-needing-repaired producer, Adam Rich, and we want to <laughs> thank you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is... Play nice with others, clean up your own mess, and you can repair things. And eat your vegetables. Till next time. You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blurockstation.com.